Welcome to the Love and Dubcast. We are back. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> still the offseason. Um, checking my watch, we still have infinity hours until football starts, which means we get to suffer through this basketball season, which, you know, it's really, how spoiled are we that we can say we, we are suffering through a team that is still a, you know, <laughs> it's still a team that's going to get in the NCAA tournament, assuming they don't just completely lose out, uh, you know. It, it, they still got one of the most exciting players in college basketball on it, but oh, and they're not winning every game, so we're mad. We're not winning and, every game by thirty. True, and <laughs> you know, and they lost to Michigan, which is really annoying, right? Yeah. Because they hadn't played in a while. Michigan is not very good this year, and yes, it was on the road, but I don't give a crap. You want to be able to take Michigan out. They're our rivals. Screw those guys. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell didn't look good for about the third straight game. Mark Loving didn't contribute anything. I want to punch Amir Williams in the face, metaphorically, of course, because if I did it, you know, in real life, A, I'd get arrested, and B, he would probably pick me up and, like, you know, shake me by my head. Probably. Uh, you know, so I, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, well, and the other thing, too, about Amir is you got to take it easy on Amir because he is he is uh, an inspiration to to, you know, people everywhere that were born with disabilities because he was born yeah. with frying pans for hands. Yeah. Well, and it's, and look how far he's gotten in life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, we, I feel a little bit bad ragging on him all the time because it's, it's really easy to rag on the dude who is getting yeah. a lot of minutes and not really doing anything with them. It's, it's probably not his fault that he's not as good as we want him to be. Right. Well, and not only that, but let's not pretend like the rest of the team isn't dragging a little bit too, right? Like to, yeah. to call him out, to make him the scapegoat and say the reason why Ohio State is not playing well is because of Amir Williams. It's a part of it, right? If you don't have an inside presence, you can't have a guy who plays defense regularly or score points as their big man. Yeah, that hurts the team. But, you know, Shannon Scott's not getting buckets consistently. D'Angelo uh, Russell, as I said earlier, has I think we said on the site he was like four for fourteen or something, you know, recently. Like he's not shooting well. Um, the rest of the team is not picking up the slack, mm-hmm. and you know I think it's perfectly fair to call them out and maybe even call out that model a little bit uh, for not developing these players because you know I understand maybe having a bunch of freshmen who aren't super fully developed, but you would hope that Amir Williams would have gotten at least marginally better in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then maybe Shannon Scott would turn and, into more of an offensive Thompson, threat. Sam Thompson's an – look at him. He's Sam an Thompson's a great athletic that, yeah. freak, and he's still the, just the same kind of player, basically, as a senior that right. he was as a freshman. He'll have a couple great dunks a game, and then that'll be about it. Speaking of dunks, and, why do we miss so many dunks? Why does this team miss so many dunks? I know. I've never seen a team miss as many dunks as this team has over the last two years. Yeah, well, it's, dunks it's are not that hard. They're not. They're not they're, Everybody wants they're to hard for me because I'm, you know, I'm I'm five six and a half. So they're hard for <laughs> me, but they shouldn't be hard for them. You know, I think I think uh, Barry Sanders could dunk, right? And he was about five six. And Spud and a half, Webb, so. man. Spud. <laughs> exactly. Come on, man. Get with it. Yeah, I don't have um, their Michael? I don't have their um, genes. You know, I wasn't born <laughs> with those kind of freakish chromosomes. You know, and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I would say something. I'm six foot two. I don't even think I could touch around. I could so, dunk the uh, crap out of a Nerf ball, though. There you go. Yeah. That's not, and that, and that's, and really, that's just as good in my. Opinion. I don't think I've ever missed a dunk with a Nerf hoop. <laughs> you know, well, I'm just saying. If you think about it, you know, maybe you get so used to dunking that you're just. 
you're 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 a nerd to it. You don't even care anymore. <laughs> you're like, I'm so good at this. You just you know you try to do it blindfold. You try to just yeah, this is as good as a layup, and then you just forget how to you know to dunk. Isn't it muscle just, memory though? I mean, you would think that would kick in, and you wouldn't miss dunks after you've done like five thousand of them in your career. You'd be like, okay. You know what? <laughs> that would be the saddest thing if that were true. Because I got to tell you something. If that's if that's real, if that's a thing where it's just like, yeah, well, we don't care. That's sad. That that's what happens. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. With dunking. Like I would hope that like you never lose that joy of dunking. I would dunking. If I could like, dunk, Johnny, I would I wouldn't do anything else in my life ever. I would maybe come off the court long enough to sleep and eat and then I would go back to dunking <laughs> all the time. I know. It's like it's like the ultimate athletic achievement. There's not there's literally nothing better than an athlete can do to impress someone. Than to dunk. Yeah. Like I just, I, I, th- I completely agree with you. I think that's the most entertaining thing. And if I could dunk, I agree with you. I would never stop dunking. I would find I, new like, ways to dunk. I would like jump off moving vehicles to dunk and all kinds of other things like that. I would, I yeah. would maybe, I would maybe skydive dunk. You know, <laughs> I, I would just find all kinds of different ways to dunk. But I would just never, yeah. never stop dunking because at my height, I can only look longingly up at that hoop and go, what if? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel you, dude. And so here's the thing. All right, Ohio State's got four more games. they got four more games. Hopefully it'll, uh, you know, hopefully it'll go well. They've got um, three home games, only one away game. Okay, and that's at Penn State. So, you know, in Penn State, eh, not exactly a powerhouse. So you, you would hope that, you know, a, a team that's what, like, I think I'm looking at the schedule here. They're 3-12 and 12 in the conference. You can beat them. Um, Nebraska, again, not super great. Purdue has been a little bit of a surprise this year. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were. Um, and of course, Wisconsin is just running away with the whole thing. Um, they got to win three of those four. I got to, I got to feel like they got to win three of those four. I mean, you know, they're going to be in the tournament regardless, man. But I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like just for momentum's sake, they got to get something together in the last four games. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just it feels that way. It feels like this is a team that needs momentum, and they have none of it right now. Yeah, it, it's a frustrating thing. I mean, at least it's a really short season, because if I remember correctly, the season didn't start until right after the football team beat Oregon. Well, I think yeah. that's when it started I mean, this year. So it's a short, it's a short condensed season, and you know, if the you know the basketball team if they frustrate you, just you know get on YouTube. Find the Ohio State Oregon game or the Ohio State Alabama game. Yeah, and, which I'm impressed that there's like they're all up there, right? Like you can still yeah. watch both of those bowl games in their entirety, and I think Wisconsin Ohio State if you want to. So mm-hmm. that yeah, that's a great stress reliever. I agree. Um, I think Mark Loving needs to get more involved in the offense too. I, I think that's the other thing that we talk. He his minutes since coming back have been so restricted. It's really really weird, and I don't. I feel like there's an explanation. Yeah, for it's we like have... he's still being disciplined in some respects, yeah. and it's like it's a non-suspension suspension kind of thing. And I don't know what's going on. I don't pretend to have the inside information like you know, um, like some of our guys do for the football team. But I can tell you this: we've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, okay. that loving feeling! <laughs> Bring back that loving feeling because it's gone. It's it's gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about so that. So if you're not in the basketball, the basketball is making you sad, which I can understand. You know, there has been some football news. The Combine's been going on. I used to be – I don't know about you, Michael. I don't know how closely you follow the Combine. I used to be super into it. 
I used to get up and like, man, I'm going to find out what's going on in the combine. I want to see how many reps that these guys pushed out on the bench press. I want to see how fast they did their 40. I want to see how high they jumped and how long they jumped. Um, I, I've I, in, the, in recent years, and maybe it's because we haven't had as many Ohio State-like huge, giant, marquee athletic names in the combine, so I haven't really cared as much. Um, but in recent years, I just, it's kind of fallen off my radar a little bit. And, and, you know, we still had, we definitely had guys there this year, right? You know, you've got Michael right. Bennett, who's a little gimpy, but he still does his interviews and he's a great interview. And then you've got, uh, you know, Doran Grant and, you know, a couple of guys, you know, who are going to make, you know, probably a, a decent impact, you know, in Devin Smith and, and Hireman. So like, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Do you follow it at all? You know, the thing about the combine is I used to I used to sit there and go, man, it's cool they're going to start televising the combine. This is going to be great. And because right. I used to hear all the stories about it and, you know, all the build up and the hype and you know, they'd have the live reports from there. But then when they just when they started televising it, I watched it one the first year and I went, this is what I was missing. <laughs> I mean, a, right. A, a bunch of board like executives, a three cone run or, you know, you know they're, let's, are they doing a the three cone drill. This is awesome. You know. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. It's to me, it's just like, whatever. It's not, it doesn't really excite me all that much. You know, I, I, when I do flip it on, I'll go, Hey, is there an Ohio state guy here? Cool. And I hope he does good, but that's about the extent of it. And then I've lost interest and I'm on to, you know, some kind of cooking show on food network or something. Well, let me ask you this. Then do you get interested in the draft that much then? Oh, I love the draft. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I love it for a couple of reasons. Number one is because I watch so much college football, it's interesting to me to see where guys go and how high guys go that maybe I didn't think that much of. Or or um, it's like, oh, well, Ohio State made that guy look really bad, and he just went in the first round, you know. Right. Um, that's kind of cool. Or, you know, I want to see where the Buckeyes go, obviously, and I want to see who – I want to see what idiot my team is going to draft because it's always somebody <laughs> terrible. Uh, yeah. Like oh, who did we waste our money? Oh, okay, we, we we're, we're going to pay this guy for the seventh overall pick, and he um, has a, a knee made out of play doh. Right. You know, he he, and he's changing positions as an NFL player, so he's never played there well, before. So I mean, these are the kinds of things. You're not that the I Brown, at least you're not a Browns fan, and you're drafting either a 28 year old quarterback or you know, Johnny Manziel. So it's, it's gotta be a little better than that, right? Like dolphins, I, you know, granted, I don't follow the dolphins super hard, but I, I feel like they draft a little better than the Browns. Well, right? here's the thing. See, I kind of thought that Johnny Manziel would not be a good pick, but I know a lot of Browns fans that were very excited about that pick. And, well, yeah. and it was great to be excited about that pick. On the other hand, my team drafted Ryan Tannehill, who I knew on draft day was going to suck. <laughs> Right. I'm like, and 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 then he's he he's come in and he's done the exact worst thing you can have him do, which is to be just good enough to tease you into thinking he might develop, <laughs> but he's never going to develop. He's he's hit well, his ceiling. If you're if you're a Bengals fan, you just throw a hundred million dollars at him and you say good enough, and then you just you just roll with it. That's how it goes. See, that's the thing. You, you got to be. I think every fan of an NFL team that underachieves should you know. You should have the Zen-like acceptance of failure mm-hmm. that Bengals fans have learned to develop over the years. Like Browns fans always think they always think it's their year, right? Yeah. Every year, we drafted well, we got the man, we got the coaches, every like and against all evidence otherwise. Yeah, Browns fans at the beginning of the year will always say we got a chance, we got a chance, and Bengals fans are like, 
we're screwed. But it's fine. <laughs> Who cares? That's it's it's every like they just have this defeatist attitude. We have this defeatist attitude right. that I think suits us very well. And we, you know, so I like the draft. Yeah, I, and I I like the combine in general because even though I know it's going to pan out badly for the Bengals <laughs> in the end, most likely. Uh, I like the matchups, and, and this year is not a great example of it. it. It is an example, but I like it when there are, like, two dudes in the same position of similar uh, makeups in terms of who they are athletically. Like, let's say you have two quarterbacks, two marquee quarterbacks uh-huh. in the same year. Uh-huh. So, like, I think Peyton Manning like and Ryan Leaf? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, along those lines, though, because a lot of people believed in Ryan Leaf, yes, right? Like, did. a lot of people thought he was legit. Uh-huh. And, you know, I wasn't really old enough to, to make an appraisal of them either way. But my point is, is that I think that's interesting. I think the intrigue and the drama behind that is very interesting because, you know, these are literally multi-million dollar decisions that these guys are making. So, you know, the difference between Marcus Mariota and um, and Jameis Winston, like, they're not the same player. They, they, they play the same position, but they could mm-hmm. not be more different. And, and they had that, you know, they had that uh, video of... Jameis running the 40 and Marcus running the 40. And it's like, who cares? You know, neither the, like, obviously Jameis is going to run it super slow. He doesn't move around that much unless he has to. Like, he might make a smart run, you know, here or there, but he's a pocket passer. He's a stand-up pocket passer. Obviously, he's not going to have a quick 40. He doesn't need to have a quick 40. Marcus Mariota, on the other hand, probably would help him to have a really quick 40, and it did. So, I mean... Personally, if I were drafting one or the other, I'd, I'd go with Mariota just because he doesn't seem like, you know, a piece of crap. But, you know, <laughs> it, I, I just like the matchups, I guess. I think it's interesting. And I also like feats of strength. You know, I, the, the the broad jump, the standing uh, broad jump that, like, set a world record that people love to say. I'm pretty sure that world record was set in, like, 1900, right? <laughs> Before, like, people knew about, I don't know, <laughs> like, growth hormones and proper dieting and stuff. So I don't know how impressive that actually is. But uh, I just I enjoy watching. It. I just think it's interesting. I think it's cool. Yeah, I I, I think it's cool. I, I really do like the draft though, um, much more than the the combine. And I I get what you're saying about the Browns and Bengals fan because you described it to a, t- to a T. I grew up in Central Ohio, so all my friends yeah. were either Browns or Bengals fans. And Bengals right. fans always knew they were pretty much always knew they were going to be terrible, and it, they were pleasantly surprised when they go on a run like the the icky woods year and then things like that. But the, uh, the Browns fans, I know they're always like, they always think they're one guy away, like one, right, exactly. they get that exactly. one guy, they're going to do it. And, and then, you know, there's me and I'm, I'm a Dolphins fan and all I can do is look back to the seventies and eighties go, well, we used to be good. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, you know, not a whole lot to look forward to after this, though. You got the draft. I mean, March Madness will be cool. I'm excited to spring see more. Spring ball, baby. Spring ball is coming. Spring ball is coming up. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the really the big thing is that Ohio State fans want to see is the quarterback situation. But, really, there's only going to be one dude who's really even healthy enough to practice. Um, yep. You know, I, I think the reports that, for instance, Braxton Miller, Braxton Miller is going to be throwing – yeah, great. He's going to be throwing a Nerf ball, right? Like just doing the motion. He's not going to actually be doing any kind of accelerated throwing for months now. Mm-hmm. Um, JT Barrett's still going to be, you know, hopping around a little bit. He's not scooting anymore, but, you know, I just, my point is that spring ball is going to be interesting, but I think some of the intrigue is lessened on that when uh, you have a young team who kind of established itself last year and you already kind of know who the guys are. Like there aren't 
there aren't a whole lot of major marquee positions up for grabs right now, I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. It, you know, that'll be interesting too. Maybe, you know, maybe someone just ends up blowing everyone's minds or something. But yeah, we'll have to see about that. Um, but anyway, it, it's, it's going to be interesting going forward. Right now, though, we've got Ask Us Anything, um, which is our very favorite part of the show where yes. our listeners ask us literally anything. Um, we have decided on wedding rings. We have decided on summer vacations. Haven't named anyone's child yet. Uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed that hoping, we haven't. I'm hoping you know, for that but, soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. One day we'll get there. But this week we've got three questions. Um, you guys can ask us anything any any number of ways. You can hit us up on Twitter, uh, 11dubcast, at 11dubcast. You can also send us an email um, to dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. This week we have three questions from Gregory Metz. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to hit him with you right, or hit him, hit you with them. There we go. I could talk okay. uh, right now. So number one is how much will the extra week of practice time the football team had prior to the national championship be an advantage over the other teams next year? I love his optimism. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that'll help us out? I think extra practices are, are huge for guys that are going to be competing for jobs this year. I always think that, that those guys are the guys that benefit most from those extra practices leading up to you know, the New yeah. Year's Day Bowls and then beyond, obviously, with the national championship game. So the guys that are going to be competing for, let's say, Daryl Baldwin's position or Devin Smith's position, I think are going to get a lot out of that. And also, uh, you know, freshmen that, that – uh, redshirted this year are going to get a lot out of that because that's, you know, another extra month of practice for them. So I think those are the guys that benefit. It doesn't give you any kind of decided advantage over other teams, though. Yeah, no, I I agree. I don't know that it's going to be like – it's not going to be the thing that determines whether Ohio State beats a team or not, but it, it definitely is valuable. Anytime right. you can get, like, actual practice reps for anybody, I think that's useful. Um, if you're talking about, like – Assuming Ohio State goes to the playoffs next year, is that going to be an advantage? I don't know that's going to be that big an advantage. I think you have to manage injuries and expectations and stuff, and I think you probably want to keep it pretty low key in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I don't, the, the, you know, they asked Urban Meyer about this, uh, you know, prior to the national championship, and he said he was just going to keep it, you know, his schedule pretty much the same regardless of the time that they had. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, but for next year, yeah, I agree with you, Michael. I think the young guys will benefit from that quite a bit. Um, all right, number two here. What is your advice for someone going through an existential crisis? Uh, <laughs> I'm shifting gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. How much ice cream are you allowed to eat during one of these? Is the ice cream even real? Um, what do you think, Michael? What is your advice for someone going through an existential crisis? All right, my advice is snap out of it. Okay. Um, I think you uh, you can always eat as much ice cream as you want, and you can and you'll never get fat. Um, <laughs> and I think um, it, the ice cream is real. If it's a decent flavor, if you're getting mm-hmm. like some kind of like Neapolitan crap, no, it's not real. You don't like Neapolitan? No, because I think you need to make a damn decision. I don't think you get all your stuff <laughs> in one one carton. You know, it's like That's it's fair. like the people that get the peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. It's like, come on. Mm, yeah, that is gross. I agree with that. Uh, my advice for an existential existential crisis actually is the opposite. I think you should just roll with it. I think you should see how far that existential crisis can take you. And I don't know. I mean. See where it leads you. Don't don't freak out about it. Be very zen about it. You know, don't don't allow it to consume you, but see what interesting thought paths it might lead you down. You know, you never know. You might consider something that is different. I I currently, you know, I I turned uh, 30 recently and, you know, you start thinking about your life and 
and where you are as a 30-year-old and things like that. <laughs> and these are uncomfortable questions, but they're questions that must be asked regardless. So I, I am trying not to just say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm going to live forever. It doesn't matter. I'm cool. Don't worry about it. I got I to gotta think about these things. Um, also, I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't have ice cream. Um, you can have lactose-free ice cream, Johnny. I can't have lactose-free ice cream, and I think it tastes just as good as the real And, you thing. know, I have a different piece of advice. Don't, it's not just snap out of it. The other piece of advice is go on YouTube and watch the Oregon game again or the Alabama <laughs> game again or the Wisconsin game again. Right. That's my that's my advice for almost any situation, though. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good advice. Yeah, you should um, do it all the time. I, I've definitely... I, you know how ESPN had, like, five different broadcasts of that game? Yes. Right? Like, I've literally watched every single version that they had, including the Spanish language. <laughs> <laughs> how great was the coach's room one? How great was that? That was a lot of fun. That was, that awesome. was really cool. That was really cool. I like that because I um, – I liked it because, first of all, I'm a big idiot when it comes to, like, analyzing football while the game is going on. I get too excited. Right, like I can't, uh-huh. I can't focus on what's going on in the game when the game's going on. If that makes sense, yeah. so I, I really appreciate that. I thought that was really neat, and it became blindingly obvious. Here's, you know, I had said that Ohio State could have won, like they could play another twenty teams every week, you know, after the end of the season, and they still would have beaten all those twenty teams in a row because of the role that they were on. And that coach's room just emphasized that to me because they weren't they weren't fancy at all against mm-hmm. Oregon. They're running basically variations of the same, like, three plays and just beating the crap out of them with it. Um, they, those guys were on a roll. It was ridiculous. Um, okay, third question here. All right, this is yeah. interesting. If you could choose your own magical NCAA tournament run, what would be the six teams you would want Ohio State to beat? Oh, I love this question. That's a great question. Um, I know, right? Yeah, I think in the first round, um, let's say it's this year, right? We're going to say it's this year? Right. All right, so the first one I want to be Dayton, just so we could pay him back. Complete agreement. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to um, say. And in, this, in the second round, I would like it to be some other Ohio school that thinks that we Xavier. duck them all the time, like yeah, Cincinnati or Xavier or somebody like that. Um, maybe in the – now, maybe a little bit later. A little bit later, I would like to get um, – let's see. Later, I would like to get Michigan just because it would be great to knock them out of the <laughs> Right. Awesome. Um, and same with Wisconsin. Yeah, so maybe sweet. So maybe the second weekend could be Michigan and Wisconsin. Okay, and then um, I think in the the final two games, I would like it to be, um, you know, the blue bloods, the ones that we've had trouble with in the past, like Duke and Kentucky. Kentucky for the championship. Okay, I agree with you on Kentucky. Disagree with you, Duke. I don't really care much about Duke per se. That's not a team that I really keeps me up at night. I want to beat Florida. I want to take those guys out. I want them to be okay. And not only do I, I don't even want to do it in the national championship game. I want to do it in the um, final four, so they don't even have the the say that oh yeah we got to the to the national champ. Screw those guys. Like I want them down. <laughs> um, I want Kentucky, Florida, Xavier, Michigan, Dayton. I want those guys. Oh, crap! I forgot that, to say uh, Indiana somewhere in there because I'd love to knock Tom Crean's ass out of there. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty funny too, <laughs> just to see his Tom Crean. Angry Maybe we play a face. play-in game, and we knock Tom Green out. <laughs> that would be sweet. Like, I would love to like see Tom Green's a one, like the Indiana's a one seed, and we're a play-in team. Yes, yeah, that would be like that, that would be glorious. <laughs> I would I would love that very much. Um, I think I'd rather take out Calipari in that fashion than than Green, but either way, really would be fine with me. Yeah. Um, Good question yeah. though. So, 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. And again, if you guys want to ask us anything, uh, please do so by hitting us up on Twitter or uh, send an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Joining us tonight is Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com. We're very lucky to have you on tonight because there are so many questions and quandaries that we need to have answered and, and maybe a lot of fears that we need to have assuaged. So thank you for coming on tonight. It's my pleasure, and yeah, you guys got a team that's uh, plenty intriguing this year. I actually wasn't <laughs> I was I was probably more bored and turned off by Ohio State last season than any major conference yeah. team. That's not the case this year. Um, obviously, there are some flaws to address, but uh, I am pretty much interested in watching Ohio State play no matter the opponent this season. You know, I like boring, though. As an Ohio State fan, I want to see them just steamroll everybody, right? Like, destroy the Big Ten, and then not have to worry about it. This seems like week in, week out, you know, I was at a I was at a, a restaurant with my buddy um, watching the Michigan game, and, and we decided to do it on Sunday because we're like, we got this. You know, it's a road game, but whatever. Michigan's not that great this year. You know, Mark Loving's back. Dan's Russell should rebound. And they were losing by 16 at halftime, and they, you know, they, they kind of had a comeback in the second half. Yeah. But then they couldn't pull it off. What, what is the deal? What I mean, we on our site today talked about maybe D'Angelo Russell hitting a freshman wall. Do you think there's any like truth to that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it is possible. Um, to me, the uh, any sort of freshman wall, you know, a sophomore wall. <laughs> Uh, those, wa- those walls, by the way, they seem to disappear if you stick around for a third and a fourth year right. uh, because the kind of notion of the whole thing is it can be somewhat arbitrary. I get, I get it, though, generally speaking. You know, you play your first year of major college basketball at a high level. It's different from a high school season. But these guys do play, like, ridiculously uh, high numbers of games at the AU level as well. Um, so it's not that – I don't think it's necessarily a wall – I think it's clearly, you know, you've got really good coaches in that league. They did have two road games, and they've had, what, four of their past five have been away from home, I think. Um, So tougher environments, coaches that know the programs well, and D'Angelo is so clearly the MVP of the team that he's (laughs) going to be getting looks tossed at him that he might not be familiar with. Um, And and certainly at this point he's adjusted to – uh, some double teams and whatnot, but overall, I think there can be some accumulation uh, fatigue in terms of the defenses he faces, and so I think it's more that than him necessarily having a battery that's that's starting to have a low charge on it. Um, I think going forward, they're going to need a lot from him, a lot, because uh, listen, Shannon Scott's actually kind of been underappreciated nationally for what he does and what he was asked to step into. Um, I think he quietly does the role that, that they need him to do. Uh, and that D'Angelo's kind of, you know, overshadowed him in a little bit, uh, rightfully so. But, you know, Sam Thompson is a nice player, in my opinion, should be a little bit better than what he is, uh, given all his skills. And, yeah, Loving is, I think, you know, if we were picking a player outside of D'Angelo who is probably most – vital Ohio State fans might say Amir Williams but I actually like at this point I don't know that they will I I actually disagree with that yeah Yeah, that actually brings me to my my question for you Matt because it's I'm really excited to have a a college basketball expert on here because I have a I have a question about Amir Williams and that question is (laughs) why is Amir Williams (laughs) 
Why is a, what is the statement why, of if you, being? If you tweeted that, why it, would is he? Why, <laughs> it would be, why is Amir Williams, and there wouldn't even be a period or a question mark. It would just be, why is Amir Williams? Exactly. Yeah. Um, What's the deal with this guy? McDonald's All-American and, and clearly seems almost like he hates life when he's on the basketball court at times. Right. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of been a an interesting journey for Amir. Um just because, yeah, there was certainly high expectations for him. He never lived up to them in terms of what he should be able to do. Uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily track uh, his high school play or anything like that, like you guys might have or Ohio State fans are familiar with. But he should have been, to this point, a third-team Big Ten caliber player. Um, and he just never has been that. And... There is something to be said for Ohio State's general lack of ability and consistency on the front line with Williams' skittish play. Uh, I wish I had an answer for you. I've actually I've never talked to Thad or any of the coaches specifically about Amir. Um, I really would love to, to be honest, just because. <laughs> well, like, because here's the, like the deal is like sometimes like you know. Coaches don't like to admit this, really, and they really will only do it off the record. But, like, sometimes you'll just miss on a guy, and he won't be what you think he'll be. And there are so many reasons why that can come to be. I mean, it can simply be uh, a, a culture and a program and that player's personality, and there's just never a true click, a, new, a true gel. Um, the player might be relatively... Uh, slow to really understanding schemes. And I'm not saying that's it with Amir, but, you know, mm -hmm. I have talked with coaches and players in the past who have, you know, specifically big men um, who just, like, they can watch tape for hours and it's just not registering. And sometimes that can affect minutes. It can affect play. If you don't really understand pacing and spacing and where you should be on a floor, these things have a way of, of just adding up. And so Amir Williams has just kind of been a, a big body and an okay rebounder and certainly something of a disappointment. And if he was even just a little bit better overall, I'd, I'd feel much better about thinking Ohio State could get to a second weekend this year. And it's not that they can't. They can. Uh, but you just know, and Ohio State fans know, that it's not something that they should necessarily be banking on, especially when we get to the tournament. Um, because of the losses they've had so far, or maybe – it's not a lack of wins because they have wins. I just think that they're not going to win the Big Ten tournament. I think they're going to lose at least one more before the regular season's done. And so if that's the case, they're going to be a double-digit loss team. And I'm not seeing how they're possibly going to manage to get anything better than a six. Like, I think the Ohio State's yeah. best case is going to be a six at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I completely agree with you with the at least one loss. I mean, if you got Wisconsin, then you get to play the last game of the season. I mean... I, it's really interesting. One of the things that I want to ask you about it kind of refers to the, the thing with Amir. Um, you know, we get out of football season, and we talk about the dynamic that a team has on a football team and how a lot of it's player-centered and things like that. Is it, you know, we look at bad, modest teams a lot. We, we see how they evolve over the, the course of the year. But is that, like, team attitude, does that have to come from senior leadership, or is it more coaching-directed on a basketball team where you don't have as many players? Because it feels like maybe some of the – there hasn't been as much senior leadership this year um, in terms of both like maybe being vocal and scoring points um, that there's been in years past. Yeah, so team dynamics are something that I'm 
always fascinated by because every group is obviously different. Um, just right. because these guys play basketball, you know, the group of guys that are in Columbus are different from the guys in Iowa City, are different from the guys in Palo Alto, are different from the guys in Lexington. They're just just because they have one common goal in mind doesn't mean that uh, the dynamics and play are going to be the same. And that'll go for a team from one year to the next. And that was something that I didn't totally truly buy into until like I really started talking to players and coaches about how there's just this weird cycle um, and coaches when they get good groups they so desperately hope that it will carry over to next year and sometimes that can happen and sometimes it can't so with Ohio State is it a lack of senior leadership the, that is possible but it also matters if the guys on the team are truly comfortable with the fact that D'Angelo is, you know, trending to be a top five NBA pick. He's a freshman. He's getting the most pub. He's clearly the most talented player. And, you know, whether D'Angelo is willing or able to be that kind of vocal leader, you know, how comfortable is he and how comfortable is the group with that? Because my theory is that, you know, these guys are around the coaches a lot. A lot of coaches will tell you off the record it's too much. Some will tell you on the record that we are around these guys too much, but we can't help ourselves because mm. if you give us the time, we're going to work with them because we'd rather right. work with them, help them. And beyond just like basketball stuff, it's just like we want to make sure our dudes are not getting in trouble. Like, And that goes to like the summer hours, and it's just – it's such a long season. I know the general sports fan doesn't feel like college basketball season is that long, and it's not. But for the players and the coaches who see each other plenty – um, in my opinion, when you get to about February and maybe even late January, um, the players just might start to shake off the coaches a little bit because they're just hearing a lot of the same stuff. It's the same voice, the same yelling, run the same stuff. So teams that are able to kind of get past that, rally around each other, the ones that have really good locker room dynamics with guys that really want to be around each other and play with each other. And within that, if you have seniors on the team or even juniors, older guys that are producing and are able to be vocal, I think that's actually how you can find a lot of not guaranteed success, but general uh, happiness and forward momentum as you go toward the postseason. So it's not just the coaches are always ragging on you and you almost feel isolated. You might only have one or two buddies on a team. If you've got a good core, uh, I think that can matter. And it's not that you need a senior or junior, but if you don't have that and you've got someone like D'Angelo, the key is that like Mark Loving, Sam Thompson, Shannon Scott, Amir Williams, like they got to be okay with it. Is that the case at Ohio State? I can't honestly tell you if that is or not right now. Matt, um, I wanted to ask you this about – if Russell goes to the NBA like as expected, although we've heard some sort of semi rumors that that might not happen, um, this this freshman class is has been pretty good. Jay Sean Tate in particular, what do you see as his ceiling? Is it is his ceiling? Does he have like a David Lighty ceiling? And please say that he's got a David Lighty ceiling. Oh, I, I really cannot like to hear possibly. <laughs> Lighty might be one of my I don't know. 30 favorite players of the past decade in college hoops. I just loved the way Lighty played. I just think he was like, if any college coach, if I told you you could have a player that wasn't, you know, you don't, he's not going to make it in the NBA, but you're going to get him for four years. Like Lighty is the answer to that for almost all coaches, just the way he played, who he was. Um, we'll see uh, with Tate. Um, I do think Russell is going to go. Um I think Ohio State would have to bottom out, and he'd really have to play terribly. Um, I just, 
you can't pass it up. His vision is so good. He is ready in a lot of ways for the pros. So I'm just telling you guys, it you know it stinks because like you want him for at least two years. Like it's great to have one and dones and whatever because you you know you get these talented guys on campus for a year. You get to watch them play. It's great, but like you don't want to have a year where it's like you remember the D'Angelo year that that was an awesome year, but we were a six seed and we got freaking bounced by an eleven. Like how awful. <laughs> like that's I think that can be a total bummer for fans. Um, mm-hmm. and like uh, it happened last year with Jabari and Duke. You know, done. Right. right away. Uh, and in a weird way, it's just like this weird forgotten year. Um, in terms of Jay Sean, what kind of – I don't know him as a person well enough. Um, what is he going to be doing next year? And I have not – I didn't look before we started this. So I don't know what your incoming class as of right now actually looks like. I'm no recruiting guru. Um, but he's been good enough. Like – I think his defense is pretty important overall to what they want to do. Um, and he's not afraid to, I guess, bang for his size overall. Like, he hasn't popped off the screen to me, but he hasn't been a liability. So definitely a multi – like, he should be there four years. I would I would think that's, you know, inevitable. Uh, right. But if they go into next year without Russell, which they probably should, is – is Jay Sean Tate going to be the second most important player on the team? If that is a yes, I'm hesitant to say that it will be a great year for Ohio State. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, the incoming class that they have, I think, is is pretty decent. They've got a lot, you know, they're bringing in some big guys. Do they still have the uh, Austin Grandstaff? Is the, is yeah. the football kid, he's done, right? He did commit it, and uh, he's going to Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Who am I talking Remember who, the, uh, the big boy? I can't remember that his was, name. Are you thinking of Mickey Mitchell's brother? Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Mickey Mitchell. No, Mickey Mitchell's the player, and then his brother like is playing. But he originally committed to Ohio State, right? Yeah. Yeah, they both did, and then the football one changed and 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 uh, decommitted and and went to Texas Tech. Right, but and but Mickey, did he decommit from Ohio State? Is my question. Do we know? I thought he did. I thought Mickey decommitted and then might have recommitted. I can't remember. He did decommit and then he recommitted. Okay, so he is coming in next season. Knock on wood, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, just... We are are clearly not recruiting experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kind of talking through it here because I couldn't remember. Um, And he is, uh, just like 20 seconds on Mickey Mitchell, who I've seen play plenty in person uh, because we just go to some of the recruiting stuff over the summer. He's a he's a banger. He is not short on confidence. He could easily, if he stay, and he will stay. Like there's, no, he's not a one and done player. Um, like by the end of his second year, uh, because he's got like serious bravado, and he could be the most hated player in the Big Ten. Uh, just because he's a <laughs> white, which we love having, like yeah. that's something Ohio State fans love. Yeah, yeah. Just because, like, I'm telling you, just because he's a, he's a white dude that'll say what he wants to say. If if he <laughs> if if you know, and I'm not saying that Thad and, and the staff should try and keep him uh, muted or anything. Uh, and I'm sure. not calling him a bad kid. I'm saying like I'd love if that happened. Like he's just got a lot of fire to his game, um, and he'll make Ohio State interesting. Um, you know, and I would think he'll have some uh, some relatively immediate impact. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you, we really want to have you know a player like that because it feels like you know Ohio State basketball. You know, obviously D'Angelo Russell has been incredible this year, but it it feels like beyond him, there's not a whole lot of spark on the team in general. And it would be nice to kind of 
to have a little bit more of that, especially personality wise. Um, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. I got one last question I have for you. I mean, we're getting towards the end of the season. We're looking at brackets and things like that. Is Ohio State, do they have the potential to be a sleeper? And if not, what is a team that might be able to do that? Yeah, well, I'll kind of go both ways. Yeah, I think they could be a sleeper. Um, it will totally be about matchup like in terms of how I think Ohio State's going to do and how I'll eventually blow that pick. Uh, just It'll be a disaster. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> they are – First of all, I, I don't like people that answer questions like, it's going to be either this or this, and there's no right. in-between, because um, right. there's always in-between. Ohio State, I feel like, has uh, among the largest variants of any team that would be, um, you know, seated between third and eighth overall, I guess. Um, I would think that they are going to have a good shot to reach the Sweet 16 because of D'Angelo, because you're going to get a team that's not as good as Ohio State first, um, which I think will be the tougher challenge because they're going to have more time. When you've got the one-day turnaround, Thad's a really good coach, and I definitely buy into usually the better coach, um, if it's not a huge seed disparity, will win that second game because you only get one day of turnaround and true scouting and prep. There will be an assistant that will prepare for Ohio State if their team wins. So it's like they get truly more than one day, but the team isn't worried about that. They're worried about their first opponent mostly. Um, and so when you can't prep for D'Angelo, I feel like that could really benefit Ohio State overall. Um, if I had to blindly guess, though, I would say OSU will win one game in the tournament, and that would be it, um, which is better than last year. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's I'm I'm super intrigued by him, truly. Like, I, I don't know quite what to expect, but there are not three players I would rather watch play college basketball right now than Mr. Russell. Um, in terms of a team that could make a deep run that's not an obvious pick, like that might be lower seeded, um, I, I still refuse to bail on San Diego State. Um, they're not exactly totally off the radar, but I get the feeling that when we get to the bracket, a lot of people will not pick the Aztecs to reach the second weekend, and I feel like I will. Um, I just trust teams that have defense at that level, and the only teams that are rated higher than them right now are uh, Kentucky is, Virginia, Arizona, maybe maybe Utah. I can't remember, but they're one that I would think company. they're one that I would think can do some damage. Um, trying to give you kind of a smaller school who might be able to do something. Um, you know, actually, Murray State, it's interesting because they've been off the radar for a couple of years, but Murray State, since they're a familiar name, might actually end up being a trendy pick. They could definitely get a 12. Um, I don't think they're going to lose before the tournament. They've been rolling through the Ohio Valley. Um, they don't have to play Belmont again, and Belmont's their best challenge. Maybe they'll meet in the league tournament. But if Murray State gets to the NCAAs, they might be able to get an 11, although they'll probably be a, a premier 12 pick. Um, they've got a player named Cameron Payne. He's a sophomore. He will be drafted, in my opinion, but it'll probably be after his junior year. Uh, just a legit shooting guard that can pass and kind of play combo. And so that school has done a tremendous job. You know, Isaiah Cannon's in the NBA right now, and Cameron Payne's kind of the next coming of him. So... Murray State's a familiar name for people looking to make picks in their brackets of a school that, you know, they had that huge run a couple of years ago. 
Um, I would like them to have a decent chance to uh, to win that 12 over 5 if that's the matchup they get slotted in. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you've always got to have the annual 12 over 5, if not 2 or 3. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's a great pick. I think that's excellent. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Uh, CBS Sports, Matt Norlander. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Norlander. And, and thanks again, man. Thanks, man. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. Talk down the road. And that is the 11 Dubcast for this week. I want to thank Matt Norlander again for coming on. He was excellent. Yeah. As, as he always is. He's a great writer and really great conversationalist, and it's nice talking to him. And, Michael, I'm very proud of myself. As you usually myself. are. Not th- yeah, right. <laughs> but, I'm <laughs> but I'm very proud of myself for not starting each segment with the word all right. Um, mm, okay. I don't know if you've noticed this. I, I talked about this last week, right, where I say all right to start everything. Uh-huh. Well, I went back and I checked. Uh, you know, all the segments that I've recorded over the past, I don't know how many weeks since I got this new computer. Uh-huh. I said all right at the beginning of literally every segment that I have recorded. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me with the very special guest this week. Yeah, well, like every week are... it's a very special guest. It's never just, a, you know, a guest. It's always a very special guest. Yeah, I, I agree. So here's here's what I'm going to say to you. I, I have a final question here. All right. um, Urban Meyer is currently stranded off the coast of Florida. Uh, on a boat, mm-hmm. we we have not. I don't think we've taken the appropriate measures to to save him. Okay. Um. He is he's stuck on this boat, on this cruise. Their fog has been, you know, the Bermuda Triangle fog has, you know, come down, and I guess they're just stuck on this freaking boat on the Buckeye cruise for cancer. So, uh, that's that's scary. I don't know what's gonna happen. Maybe they'll go back in time. What's that? What's the name of that um that movie where the boat goes? Is that back the in Philadelphia time? Experiment. Yes. So it might be some kind of Philadelphia experiment. I'm not sure. Or maybe that X-Files episode where Mulder gets on, like, the Queen Anne or something, and then he has to fight Nazis. And if that's what Urban Meyer is doing, then those Nazis are screwed. Oh, yeah. Um, but the question that I have for you is is about another boat that went on a wayward journey that was only supposed to be, you know, at sea for a three-hour three hour tour. Yeah. yeah, for only three hours. Uh, <laughs> so talking about the cast of... Uh, Gilligan's Island. Who is Urban Meyer? Who is he in this in this scenario? Is he Gilligan? Is he, uh, you know, Marianne? I mean, who is he? Um, well, first of all, I was just daydreaming about Urban Meyer fighting Nazis. So, so <laughs> I, I, I apologize for missing this. Did you just hit me with a talk about? Did I? No, I, I, I said I, I'm asking. Okay. No, I, I, I you thought you hit me with a talk about right before. No, no, you no. Said no. That. Okay. no, no, no. I want you to tell me who he is. I'm is he tell the you, professor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Urban Meyer's the professor. Yeah. Okay. He's the guy, you know, taking the coconuts off the trees and and creating a, a shortwave radio, <laughs> and right. then you know um, somebody else is coming along and goofing everything up. That's um, because he's making something out of nothing. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I think he he could take you know, and those are you know those are five star coconuts though because he gets the best right. ones. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say he's uh, Ginger. I think he's Ginger. I think he's the hot one. Um, yeah, and he's maybe a little less approachable because of who he is. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, he <laughs> maybe needs the buck stash back. Ginger though. and Thurston Howell the third. What? He needs the buck stash back though. <laughs> yeah. Um, Complete the so hotness, I, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the classic look, especially if we're talking about Gilligan's Island. He's definitely not Gilligan. Obviously, yeah. he's not Bob Depper. Uh, maybe a little bit of professor in him. I agree. I think that's a, I think that's a good choice. But I think he's a combination of Ginger and then Thurston Howell the third because he's he's so rich. Um, Brady Hoke. The so skipper. there you go. I I, I what? Is Brady Hoke the skipper. 
No, Bernie Hoke is Gilligan. <laughs> okay. But he's Bernie built Hoke like the skipper. Definitely, he definitely looks like Alan Hale Jr., but he, he is not he's not in charge of anything anymore, yeah. so he's he's not the skipper. Um, I, I wish all the best for those who are currently stranded on the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer. You guys Get home safe. went out on sea. That's right. You went out to sea for good cause. You know, hopefully you're not, like, stranded with, like, poop flowing out of the toilets or anything like that. I, I want you to get back to port safely so you can coach our football teams and, and shoot our hoops and all those other things. So good luck to you guys. Uh, we'll see you next week yeah. with another stupendous dubcast. Um, until then, though, I am Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And we'll see you. Peace.